So, um, my, name's, my name's Chris, and I'm one of the elders here, and if this is your first time here, I just want to extend a special welcome to you and say um, it's so good to have you with us. Um, if you've got your Bibles, it'd be great if you could turn to Proverbs 11, um, verses 10 and 11. Uh, but as you're looking for those verses in your Bible, I just wanted to say a couple of things. One, where's Courtney? Is, where's she gone? Is she in the room? There she is. Courtney, as, as we were praying, um, I, just, I, just, uh, I just felt for you, I just wanted to say, I've been so thankful to God for you over the last few years. And um, uh, you've had three kids at home working really hard, but being a real example of what it's to be a mother uh, raising kids, and it's been amazing to watch. And also, um, we, uh, the, it was uh, Zara and Courtney and the FAB team uh, the Friday uh, Fab team have kind of relaunched and rebranded and rethought the whole of Fab over the last year, and Courtney's been a really important part of that, and um, she's done an amazing job. And if you come here on a Friday, it's a great place to be, and it's a, it's a real opportunity for for young mums, young dads to learn something. And so, thank you so much for all the effort and and heart that you've put into that as well. So, thank you. Yeah. Woo. And, um, and the other person I just wanted to mention was Paul uh, Medhurst. Um, he was leading worship today. Uh, he, he, all of this, we're in the middle of getting this uh, decorated, which is why the walls look all funny, but he's completely stripped out all the old AV stuff and put a new set in. And it, honestly, it's technically, I do not understand how he's managed to think it all through. Um, and he's taken a whole week and I, he's sweated buckets and he's worked so hard and he's used all his skills and abilities and his passion to, to serve us as a church by getting this looking so great. So it was his 40th birthday this week and I just wanted to say happy birthday and thank you so much. So that's good. Um, <clears throat> brilliant. Next week, just to let you know, we're going to kick off our new series uh, based on the, on, on the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. It's going to be a really great time, and uh, we're going to learn lots. But that's going to start next, next week. This week, I wanted to start by spending some time thinking about us here in London. And personally, I think it is a, a huge privilege and a huge responsibility to live here in London. Now, I don't know how much you love London. Some people might be like, oh, I really don't like London. I'm looking forward to the day I get out of here. Um, some people might have a love-hate relationship with it. Personally, I love it. I, I, I was born and bred in this area, and um, I it changes all the time. There's so much I love about it. I was going to let you into some of my quirks, reasons I love London. Okay, so, so one, I love the noise. So as a family, when we come home from a holiday or a few days out, one of the things we do often is try and guess how long it takes to hear an emergency vehicle rushing past our house. <laughs> And, you know, last year we went away for two weeks. We didn't hear a single ambulance, fire engine, police car, not once for two weeks. And then we came home in the middle of the night. The kids were asleep, or at least pretending to be asleep because they wanted me to carry them into the house. The, the, the car was packed full of all of our stuff. And, um, and so I started emptying it into the house while they were waiting for, for me because they were asleep. 
And by the time I had finished emptying the house, a police car had gone by, an ambulance had gone by, and a fire engine had gone by. And I was like, I'm home. I love London. I love it. I love this. And Ali thinks I'm, my wife Ali thinks I'm a, a bit of a weirdo for liking this. But I love the fact that the number one bus goes right past my house. I love it. If you went to any country in the whole world, in the whole world, and you said, which country has got the best bus? They would say, well, it's got to be a red, double-decker London bus. And we have the number one red, double-decker going right through Rotherhive and Bermondsey. Isn't that a privilege? Isn't it a privilege? I love the fact that the other day it was a nice, warm summer's evening. So I took my kids and the kings came along as well. And we got to watch a film in the scoop with about... 500 other people with Tower Bridge in the background, we got to watch a film for free. It's amazing. The film was weird. It was Mary Poppins, and they just, I'm not going to start singing or anything like that. But it was all about London, so that was good. I love the ethnic diversity. I love the fact that people from every nation come and descend on this place. I love the fact that this time last week, I met someone who had come here for the first time who was from Hungary. And then this morning, I met someone from Sierra Leone. I love, I love that. I love the fact that my favourite Ghanaian, one of my favourite Ghanaians in the whole world, became a British citizen this week. Yeah. So he's fully Ghanaian, and now he's also fully British. Isn't that brilliant? I love it. So living in London is a huge privilege, but it's also, I believe, a huge responsibility. Because if you're a Christian, you represent Christ in London. Wherever you work, you're the representative of Christ. The Bible says that you're an ambassador of Christ, which means you speak on behalf of Jesus. So if there's an ethical situation going on in your workplace or in your neighbourhood, one of your responsibilities is to think, What's the godly response in this situation? And then to present that. And you bring the wisdom of Christ to bear on that situation in the city. We're we're called to be his hands and his feet. We're called to be the body of Christ, which means we serve as Christ served, who gave his life up for others to go and seek and save the lost, to wash the feet of those around him. That's our responsibility. It's a God-given responsibility to care for the lost, to care for the lonely, to care and be concerned for the needs uh, of, of the needy and the hungry. Both physically and spiritually, we've got a mandate and a responsibility as Christians for that. So living in London is a huge privilege and a huge responsibility. God hasn't called you here to London to give you a good job or a comfortable life. We all know that. <laughs> he's not called you here for, for, for just a few little things. He's called you here so that you can serve him in this city. And God hasn't put City Hope, this church here, just so that we can get together once a week and moan about this and moan about that. He's called us here so that we can do something about it, so that we can, we can serve God in this beautiful city that we live in. So living in, in London is a huge privilege and a huge responsibility. 
So let me read the verses that we're looking at today from Proverbs 11, verse 10 and 11. It says, The whole city celebrates when the godly succeed. They shout for, the jo- for joy when the wicked die. Upright citizens are good for the city. But the... Um, sorry. Upright citizens are good for the city and make it prosper. But the talk of the wicked tears it apart. Today I'm going to look at two questions. First question is, who are the godly and the righteous or the upright people who are, uh, these verses are speaking of? And secondly, how do we... How does, how do the, does the way godly people live benefit the city? So who are the godly, the righteous, the upright people? It's not just talking about good people. My next door neighbour is a good person. She's caring, she's considerate, she's a social activist. She's a good person, but she's not a godly person. She wouldn't want me to call her a godly person. There are many things in her life that I agree with, that I'm thankful for, things she stands for that I'm like, yes, go for that, please. I actually, I'm thankful to God for her. She, she's given her life up to the medical profession. She's been given an honorary doctorate because of the work she does. She's a great lady. She's a good person, but she's not a godly person. You see, a godly person is someone who puts their trust and their hope in God and who seek to live in obedience to him. It's someone who says, I'm putting my trust in Jesus and I'm committing to live in the way he compels me to live. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And in Hebrew, the word that we translate righteous or godly is the word sadiq. And when the Bible uses this word sadiq, it's referring to someone who's been declared or made righteous. So to be godly is to be someone who has been made righteous. And then, in Romans chapter 3, in the New Testament, it says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So you're not righteous because you do lots of good things. You're not righteous because you're morally superior to someone else. Actually, that's what religion talks about. If I do more good than bad, then God will be pleased with me. Or if if I'm better than the people around me, then God will be pleased with me. Or as long as I make sure I do these five things or these seven things, God will be pleased with me. But that's not how it works with the people of God. We're made righteous when we put our trust in Jesus. And we begin then to live according to his ways, putting into practice the things that he teaches us. I want to read from Ezekiel, just for, uh, one verse, and I love, I love this, I'm going to highlight something from this. Ezekiel uh, 36, verse uh, 26 and 27, it says, God speaking, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will, remo- I will remove from, your, from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So in other words, you're going to get I'm going to get rid of your dead heart, your lifeless heart, and I'm going to give you a heart that is beating. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So in other words, God does something in our heart that moves us 
towards righteousness, towards acting as he would want us to act. So who are the godly and the upright in our verse today? It's people who put their trust in Jesus and who have been made righteous and who seek to live in the way that Christ calls us to live. The whole city celebrates when the godly succeed. Upright citizens are good for the city and make it prosper, but the talk of the wicked tears it apart. So the second question I was going to ask is, how does being godly benefit the city? I don't know about you, but I've never had someone come up to me and say, "Um, you're a Christian, so I'm really happy that you're successful. Have you ever had that? Has anyone ever come to you and said, I was pretty jealous of how successful you were being, but then I heard you were a Christian and I was like, yeah! That doesn't happen, does it? So why why does the city celebrate when the godly succeed? When we live our lives in the way God calls us to live, it's going to have a beneficial impact on the communities and the neighbourhoods that we come into into contact with. When we look to live righteously, when we look to live holy lives, when we look to live lives full of the joy of the Spirit, our neighbourhoods and our colleagues are going to get the good benefits from that. You see, when Christ died for us, he didn't die for us so that we could live isolated, individual, kind of uh, individualistic lives. As Christians, followers of Christ, we've been given a God, uh, God-given responsibility to care for the needs of others beyond ourselves. Uh, it says in Isaiah 58, it says that uh, we're compelled to spend ourselves on behalf of the poor. He calls us to pursue justice and to love mercy. That's in Micah 6. You see, these things that God's called us, they're not passive things. They're not, I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to be good. I'm not going to get myself into trouble. I'm not going to sin. It's more than that. There's an activeness about what Christ has called us into. And I want to see, I want to help us to see this, what it looks like to live righteous lives a righteous life, by, by reading a number of other proverbs. But as we read them, I want you to know two things. One, as I read these proverbs, these aren't laws that we have to obey. These aren't rules. These are characteristics of a heart that is changed by Jesus. This is God doing something in us, and so we start to behave in different ways. So, so don't listen to this and think, oh, I've got to do that, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. It's, I've got to know Christ. And as I know Christ, he's going to change my heart towards this. And the second thing I want you to do as I, li- as I read these Proverbs out is I want you to think about how as we live this kind of life, it's going to benefit the city. It's going to be good for the people around us, whether that's our local community or whether it's the London-wide or even further out. So let's have a listen to these. I'm going to take a little swig of water before I do this. So, number one, godly people are called to bring stability. This is from, these are all from chapter 28, verses two, uh, verse 2. It says, when there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily, but wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. So we're called to be that. Godly people are called to be brave, 
28 verse 1. The wicked run when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Godly people are called to seek justice. 28 verse 5. Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand it completely. Godly people are called to act with honesty and integrity. 28 verse 6. Better be a poor person and honest than dishonest and rich. I was chatting to to someone um, this week who said they had been really challenged because they, they, they were on benefits. I, lo- I thank God that for our benefit system. It can always get better, but I thank God for it. And they've been on benefits to help them, but their life circumstances have begun to change. They're able to work a little bit more. And so they just felt convicted this week. I need to declare that. And actually, it might mean they're, they're losing a kind of sure income, but actually they know it's the righteous thing to do. And that's, that's a brave decision to make. That's a righteous decision to make. And um, I really commend that person and say, well done. Because what you're saying there is I'm not putting my trust in, in, in this income. I'm not putting my trust in the government. I'm putting my trust in Jesus. He is my provider. So that's a brave thing to do. Godly people are called to be good leaders and managers. When the godly succeed, this is verse 12, when the godly succeed, everyone is glad. When the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. If you're a manager... Remember that you, at the same time as being a manager or in charge of someone, whether that's you're you're in charge of a group of kids or whether you're in charge of an organisation, will you remember that you are also an ambassador of Christ? That actually the people that you're working with, although you're the your boss over them, also you're there to love them and to honour them and to bring good for them. And it's going to be good for the city. Godly people are called to be trustworthy, 28, 20. The trustworthy person will get rich rewards, a rich reward, but a person who wants a quick riches will get into trouble. Godly people are called to be critical friends, not moaners or flatterers, verse 23. In the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. So sometimes saying the tougher thing is the, is the godly thing to do. And actually, when people know that you speak for truth, even when it could be easier to say this, a kind of nice flattering thing, when you speak for truth, it's going to go well with you. Godly people are called to be generous, not greedy. We've been looking at that today, haven't we? Greed, greed causes fights. Trusting in the Lord leads to pro- prosperity. When we put our trust in Jesus, we know he's our provider. We've, prayed, we've talked about it in the Lord's Prayer series. Give us today our daily bread. He's going to provide what we need. We don't have to clamour after the, the riches of the world because we know our Father in heaven is going to provide everything that we need. Godly people are called to care for the needs of the disadvantaged. 28, 27. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. There's some even harsher things telling us that's what we need to make sure we're doing. So there you go. Do you see how being a godly person, living a godly life, brings blessing to the city? It brings hope to a city. It brings integrity and stability and wisdom and strength to a city. Do you see how living a godly life protects against exploitation and victimisation and injustice? Do you see how that works? But do you know the most valuable thing that we can bring the city is not, is not a 
culture, it's a person. It's Jesus Christ. And so Jesus went to a city as well, didn't he? To Jerusalem. And he loved that city. He wanted to gather it up in his arms. He cared deeply for it. And he went in and initially they celebrated and said, yeah, here he comes, riding on a donkey. But then they turned their back on him. Jerusalem hated Jesus. It despised him and rejected him. It arrested him and falsely accused him of crimes that he didn't commit. He was beaten up and nailed to a cross and he died. And three days later, he rose again. What was the cross? What was Jesus' death and resurrection all about? The cross was about how God made a way for you and me to be made righteous. I'm going to show you what I mean, so you're going to have to stick with me just for a moment. This is the heaviest bit, but let's, let's follow me, okay? So we read right at the beginning in Romans 3, uh, verse 22, it says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, everyone who believes, no matter who you are. So there isn't anyone who is made righteous because of them, what they've done. Yeah? You cannot be righteous through your own effort. It's not going to happen. That's moralism. It's not good enough. The next verse, so that's verse 22. The next verse says this. For everyone who sinned, has, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Why did Jesus go to the cross? So that you could be made righteous. You can't become godly through your own efforts. It's a gift from God. Godly people are people that have put their trust in Jesus and said, I'm going to live according to the ways you call me to live. So living in London is a huge privilege, but it's also a massive responsibility. We're called to be righteous, people living righteous, holy lives here in this city. It's going to bring blessing. It's going to bring hope. As a church, we're called to stand here in this area. What a privilege it is. And we want to bring the hope of Jesus to the whole area. Amen? Amen. 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 Shall we stand for a minute? We've got a few minutes. Maybe the band could come up. I'm just going to stand to the side then. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to respond by, by just worshipping for a few minutes. But what I'd love is... If you think, do you know what, I need to commit my ways to the Lord afresh today, I really want to commit, commend you to do that and ask you to do that. So as we worship, you don't have to sing along. I just encourage you to say, God, I want to give this, this year to you, this life I have to you. I want to live here in London and be your representative. Ask him for that. Maybe find someone else to come and, and pray with you. If you're not a Christian... You are not going to achieve righteousness. You're not going to become a godly person by doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that. The only way that it comes about is by you saying, Jesus, I'm going to put my trust in you. 
And as you put your trust in Jesus, he takes you on a journey where he makes you more and more godly throughout your life. It's called sanctification. It's like from one degree of glory to the next. You're getting holier and holier as God does work in your soul through the Holy Spirit. If you aren't a Christian, but you'd love to give your life to Jesus, you'd love to put your trust, get, like, put, put, put your hopes and trust in him, please come and speak to me afterwards. I would love to, to pray with you. But we're going to spend some time worshipping. You can, you can pray and, and ask God to, to do some work in your heart, or you can just sing your love and adoration to him. Amen. <laughs>